There in Hosea chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, let us now hear the word of the Lord. Rejoice not, O Israel, for joy as other people. For thou hast gone a-whoring from thy God. Thou hast loved a reward upon every corn floor. The floor and the winepress shall not feed them, and the new wine shall fail in her. They shall not dwell in the Lord's land, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt, and they shall eat unclean things in Assyria. They shall not offer wine offerings to the Lord, neither shall they be pleasing unto Him. Their sacrifices shall be unto them as a bread of mourning of mourners. All that eat thereof shall be polluted, for their bread, for their soul, shall not come into the house of the Lord. What will ye do in the solemn day, and in the day of the feast of the Lord? For lo, they are gone because of destruction. Egypt shall gather them up, Memphis shall bury them, the pleasant places for their silver, nettles shall possess them, thorns shall be in their tabernacles. Days of visitation are come. Days of recompense are come. Israel shall know it. The prophet is a fool. The spiritual man is mad for the multitude of thine iniquity and the great hatred. The watchman of Ephraim was with my God. But the prophet is a snare of a fowler in all his ways and hatred in the house of his God. They have deeply corrupted themselves as in the days of Gibbeth. Therefore he will remember their iniquity. He will visit their sins. I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first stripe in the fig tree at her first time. But they went to Baal Peor and separated themselves unto that shame. And their abominations were according as they loved. As for Ephraim, their glory shall fly away like a bird from the birth and from the womb and from the conception. Though they bring up their children, yet will I bereave them that there shall not be a man left. Yea, woe also to them when I depart from them. Ephraim, as I saw Tyrus, is planted in a pleasant place. But Ephraim shall bring forth his children to the murderer. Give them, O Lord, what wilt thou give? Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breasts. All their wickedness is in Gilgal, for I have hated them. For the wickedness of their doings, I will drive them out of mine house. I will love them no more. All their princes are revolters. Ephraim is smitten. Their root is dried up. They shall bear no fruit, yea, though they bring forth. Yet will I slay even the beloved fruit of their womb. My God will cast them away, because they did not hearken unto him. And they shall be wanderers among the nations. And this is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
Well, as we continue to move through our reading of this minor prophet, it doesn't get any easier. The, the theme is still pretty much the same. You see that continual picture of the judgment of God upon the nation of Israel, particularly upon those ten tribes in the north. And God has been dealing with Israel. He has called them to repentance and they have refused to repent. They remain in their sin. And so God continues to threaten them with judgments. He continues to threaten them with his chastisement. And so as we consider this passage this morning, we see here particularly uh, in chapter 9, a description of the judgment of God. And we find that it is summed up in verse 7. The days of visitation are come. The days of recompense are come. Israel shall know it. The prophet is a fool. The spiritual man is mad. For the multitude of thine iniquity. And the great hatred. That's a summary of what the prophet is stating in this sixth sermon. As you recall, chapters 1 through 3. Kind of the introduction to the book that shows that the prophet is to take a woman who will commit adultery. A woman who will be a picture of what Israel has been. And so we see that the prophet's wife has gone astray. She has been unfaithful to the prophet. Just like Israel has been unfaithful to the Lord. But we see in verses two through, or verses 4 through 14 a series of sermons that address the nation of Israel as she has fallen into bondage, as she has turned away from the Lord. The Lord has made his case against Israel. He continues to bring charges against her. We saw that in chapter 8. We saw that, and we see that here in chapter 9. But chapter 9 is a new scene. Even though the Lord has continued to bring judgment upon the nation, They rebelled in chapter 8. They fell into idolatry. In chapter 9, even though it's a new scene, it's a continued picture of their fall into idolatry. And so as we consider our passage this morning, there are a number of things here that we don't have the time to look at, but there's a lot of things here that are difficult for us to understand. But if we think about the fact that the whole message of chapter 9 is that God will visit Israel in judgment, and He will send them in exile, and He will decrease their population. Now we hear a lot about population um, decrease today, and we've seen um, our nation trying to decrease our population more and more. But there's no more um, sad commentary on the state of a nation than when God begins to decrease a population. And that's what's happening here in the nation of Israel. He's continued to threaten them. He deprives them of their goods. He threatens to bring destruction upon them because of their sin and their idolatry. But as we look at our passage this morning, uh, two, two sections we want to see, verses 1 through 9. We see the festivals and the sacraments under the old covenant administration corrupted and this is um, a graphic scene here because in verses 1 through 4 the Lord addresses their festivals 
their their holy days under the old administration. We see there in verses 1 through 4 that the prophet begins by showing that he will disperse the people of God because of their idolatry. But notice there in verse 1 as he begins, he says, Do not rejoice, O Israel, as other people rejoice. For you have gone a-whoring from thy God, and thou hast loved a reward upon every corn floor. Here the prophet calls them not to rejoice. Their new moons, their festivals, their holy days in Israel were a time of great rejoicing. And yet the Lord says, do not rejoice. This is not a time for rejoicing. This is not a time for worship and celebration. What was happening is Israel not only went after other gods, but they synchronized. They brought the God of Israel in with the God of Baal, and they synchronized both of them. And this is a common practice in our day to see a lot of syncretism taking place even within the house of the Lord. This is what was happening. And so they were, they were celebrating. They were making merry. And the Lord tells them, this is not a time for rejoicing. This is not a time for joy. This is a time for weeping. And so as he chastises them for their corruption of those festivals and those worship times under the old administration, we see that their festivals do not become an occasion for joy, but an occasion for weeping and for mourning. But here as we see the fact that there's a harvest that is taking place, there is a time when Israel is getting ready to harvest, and he mentions there that they will continue to find the Lord taking away from them their corn, their wheat, their wine. He says that it shall fail. They shall not be fed, for the Lord will take all of that away from them. Verse 3, here's, here's another aspect of this dispersion of Israel. They shall not dwell in the Lord's land. Notice the prophet calls it the Lord's land. It's not Israel's land. It's not the land of Egypt. It's not the land of, of the false gods and those who worship their gods. It is the Lord's land. As the psalmist says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But he says, you shall not dwell in the Lord's land. But Ephraim shall return to Egypt. Ephraim is a, another name for Israel. She'll return to Egypt. She'll go back to following her gods. And then she shall eat unclean things in Assyria. So as we see there in chapter 8, as we saw last week, in verses 8 and 9, it says, Israel is swallowed up. Now shall they be among the Gentiles as a vessel wherein there is no pleasure. For they have gone up to Assyria, a wild ass alone by himself. For Ephraim has hired lovers. There we see that reference to the wild ass that represents stupidity and foolishness and folly. That's exactly what we see in verse 3. People of God are stupid, they're foolish. So now they're going to go and eat the unclean things in Assyria because the Lord had cursed the land. 
Notice in verse 4, he says, They shall not offer wine offerings unto the Lord. Wine was a sign of celebration and joy. And the Lord was not going to allow them to offer that unto himself. They, um, their sacrifices will be a time of mourning. Their food will be polluted. Their bread shall not come into the house of the Lord. The Lord will not allow his name to be polluted. The Lord will not allow his name to be associated with that false worship. And so the exile and the casting out of the people of God from the land comes before they learn how to worship the Lord their God. This is a solemn day. This is to be a feast day. And yet their feasts have turned into um, a time of bitterness, a time of mourning, time of great strife. And so as the Lord warns the ten tribes of Israel because of their idolatry, there were prosperous times in this, this point in Israel's history. They were ex- uh, enjoying the prosperity and the blessing that the Lord gave them. But because of their prosperity, they turned to pride. They turned to um, laughter. They turned to frivolity. They turned away from the Lord God. And now the Lord takes away that prosperity from the land. And so we see there in verses 1 through 4 the corruption of those festivals. We see again in verses 5 through 7 that... This is a solemn day. What will ye do in this solemn day? Verse 5. And in the day of the feast of the Lord. For they have gone up because of destruction. Egypt shall gather them. The days of visitation are come. Whenever the Lord visits nations. It is always called a visitation. In fact it's often referred to as a parousia or as a coming and oftentimes the Lord does come in judgment and here he says the visitation has come it's not coming it's already there the days of recompense are come notice he says there in verse 7 Israel shall know it how would they not know it God has taken everything away from them. He calls the prophet a fool. He calls the spiritual man mad for the multitude of their iniquity and for their great hatred. But notice there he refers to their iniquity as being a multitude of sins. Their hatred of God is great. Because when they turn away from his commandments, it indicates that they have great hatred. For the Lord their God. So we see the watchman of Ephraim. Was with my God. Verse 8. But the prophet is a snare. Of a fowler. In all his ways. And hatred. In the house of his God. Oh what a sad commentary on the state of Israel. Verse 9. Says they have deeply corrupted themselves. As in the days of Gibbeth. Therefore will he remember their iniquity and he will visit their sins. Remember the great plague in Europe back in the 15-1600s when God visited 
Europe with that great plague. And many the Puritans were preaching sermons about the great day of the visitation of God when he brought judgment upon the nation. And here we see that God remembers their iniquity. And he will visit their sins. And so we see the corruption of Israel and how God disperses them. How he sends them away. We see the barrenness of Israel. That when God visits them. He will take everything away from them. But there in verses 10 through the end of the passage. We see that Israel is rejected. Israel is exiled. And she is cast out. There in verse 10. I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first stripe in the fig tree. At her first time. But they went to Baal Peor. And separated themselves unto that shame. And their abominations were according as they loved. Notice the language there at the end of verse 10. Their sin, their abomination, their idolatry was according as they loved. It is said of Israel that she loved her abomination, she loved her sin. But the question we need to ask ourselves today, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, do we love our sin? Do we love our abomination? Because for Israel, this was a sign of great judgment against her. This was a sign that she was to be rejected. That she would be cast out. But here's a sad commentary. And and you see the, the picture of the reversal of the Abrahamic covenant. Because in the Abrahamic covenant, God promises to be what? God to us and to our children. For how long? A thousand generations indicating that the time continues. But here it's a reversal of that. Verse 12, they bring up their children. Yet will I bereave them. They will bring up their children, but they will be bereaved. Because no man shall be left. I will depart from them. That's serious language. That is language that we are not comfortable with. Well, how could a loving, gracious God so show such rejection to His people? And yet God loved His people. He was very patient toward them. But they come to this place where God's patience is running out. And now He will depart from them. He will even cast their children out of the land. Give them, verse 14, O Lord, what thou give. Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breasts. Verse 14 is an indication that God will not bless his people. That he will cut off the generations. That he will cut off their children. All their wickedness is in Gilgal. For there I hated them. For the wickedness of their doings, I will drive them out of mine house. And I will love them no more. We see this theme of rejection. We see this theme of exile. We see this theme of God casting them out. 
He threatens to bring destruction on them for their sins. He rebukes them for their father's sins. And notice in the Old Testament, and we see this even in the New Testament, that God rebukes a nation or a people because of their father's sins. I will visit the iniquity of the fathers on what? The third and fourth generation of those that hate me. And here is something we must never forget. That even as believers, even as those who raise our children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, if they turn away from the Lord in rebellion and they uh, hate Him and they despise Him and He rejects them and casts them out, the fault lies with the fathers and with the generations before because they continue to commit the same sins over and over again. And this is the, the message of the prophecy that Ephraim, that is Israel, her root will be dried up. The root which gives uh, blessing, the root that produces fruit, it shall dry up and it shall bear no fruit. <coughs> yea, though they bring forth. Yet I will slay them, even the beloved fruit of their womb. So instead of blessing the generations for a thousand years, God cuts them off. My God will cast them away because they did not hearken unto Him. And they shall be wanderers among the nations. Remember in the book of Genesis, Cain, when he murdered his brother? You know what the scripture calls Cain? A wanderer. He goes out from the presence of the Lord and he wanders. That is the, the, the extent of our rebellion against God. That when we wander away from the Lord, it's not a good thing. And young people particularly need to remember this. As you're young, make certain now that you cast yourself upon the mercy of the Lord. Make certain that you love the Lord, that you keep His commandments. Because when you start to wander away, the Lord will rebuke you. The Lord will cast you out. And you will be a wanderer among the nations. And so here, there's, there's a horrible scene here. It's, a, it's not a very pretty picture. When God cast away His people, the idea of the covenant bringing forth not only promises, but judgment. Moses warned of it. Hosea reminds the people that God will not be spurned, that God will not be treated with contempt. Yet as we see this picture of God's exile and punishment, there is coming a day when God will bring out of exile a remnant, a people who will love Him with all of their hearts. There are a number of, of things that we can take from this passage, but it's a picture, and we're seeing in our, in our own nation, that the sins that we are committing as a nation, our fathers committed, and we see the judgment of God passed on to the generations. And we see that here in the life of Israel. There's a tendency to say, oh, that's Israel under the Old Testament. It has nothing to do with us. And yet when the church practices discipline, 
Do you know that discipline is a sign of casting out? Of putting outside of the covenant? Of putting outside of the people of God? Those that turn away from the Lord. And so as we look at this passage. Let us remember that there is always hope. Because the Lord provides a redeemer. The Lord provides one who will come. And will take the sin of those who rebel against God upon himself. And he will give them a new heart. And a new desire. And a new motivation. But here as we see. The fact that God will indeed cast his people out and reject them and send them into exile. There is coming a day when he will restore his people. When he will bring them back to himself. And so as we think upon this passage and as we see the great judgment that the Lord brings. Let us remember that the Lord has promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That he will not cast us away. Even when we sin. He loves us. And he desires to draw us unto himself. But when we like Israel go astray. And hate him. And hate his commandments. God is not pleased. And he will bring judgment. Upon us. So let us see here the lesson. Of remembering the goodness and the kindness of the Lord. And not forgetting that. Remembering that the Lord will indeed bring judgment upon his people. And yet he will always show mercy unto those who love him and keep his commandments. So let us sing to the glory of our God, Psalm 89f. But if his sons forsake my law. Here's the wonderful promise that we find in this psalm. Oh, no. 